Amen. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to two openings of Scripture tonight. Romans chapter 4 and Mark chapter 11. Romans chapter 4 and Mark chapter 11. Romans chapter 4 tells us the story or the account of Abraham's faith. You remember the story about how that when Abraham was 75 years old, the Lord appeared to him and told him that if he would follow him to a land that he would show him, that he'd bless him, he'd make him great, make his name great, meaning he'd give him children, and he would make him a blessing. Well, Abraham went along for 24, almost 25 years without receiving that child that God promised him. But when he was 100 years old, or almost 100 years old, 99 to be exact, the Lord appeared to him again and quickened him, told him, reinvigorated him with the promise of the child that would be born of him and and, uh, Sarah, the son whose name would be Isaac, and got him out of the condition of unbelief that he had developed. Started off in faith many years before, but over time, the delay of the promise brought him to a place of unbelief. But he re-energized him with his faith. He, re, he renewed his hope. Gave him something to believe in, something to hope for. And he received a great miracle of faith. Now, in relating this story, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, says something in verse 17 that's of utmost importance. It's critical for us to understand and to operate in the same kind of faith that Abraham had, which the Bible tells us Abraham is the father of faith, meaning he should be our example to follow. Verse 17, as it is written, here's what God said unto Abraham way back when, as it is written, I have made thee, not going to make thee, but I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, when God spoke that promise to Abraham, he didn't have any children. That's important because of the next phrases that the Holy Ghost inspires Paul to write. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. Now the phrase before him is interesting because literally from the Greek it means like unto him. Like unto him. Now most translations, and at least the ones that I have access to, Focus on the fact that he believed God. And that's certainly true. And then it tells us the characteristics of God in the last part of the verse. The God that he believed was the one that quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are. Or though they were. But this phrase before him or like unto him. Means that Abraham was an imitator of God. And the point of this verse, the whole point of God's promise being recounted, that promise being, I have made thee the father of many nations. God spoke in the past tense. Something has already been done. Not something will be done. As so many times we have a tendency to look for. We're looking for God to do something. But God most often talks about us, about what uh, it belongs to us in the past tense. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's not going to redeem us. He has redeemed us. For the curse of the law is identified as spiritual death, sickness, and poverty. Now, you may not be in a position where you consider yourself prosperous, but the Bible says that God has already redeemed you from poverty. A lot of people are looking for God to prosper them. 
but they're looking in the wrong direction. The Bible says God has redeemed you from poverty. That means prosperity is already yours. Same thing's true where healing is concerned. So many times people are looking for God to heal them. But God has made a promise in the past tense. Christ has redeemed you from sickness and disease. He's not going to redeem you from sickness and disease. He has redeemed you from sickness and disease. Now, here's why that's important. It's the difference between whether or not you're looking for the power of God to make the difference in your life or if you're looking to receive what God has already done. One is hope, looking for God to do something. The other is faith, believing that God has done something. And you cannot overemphasize the importance between those two. Now, hope is important. Hope is the reason and the foundation that we have faith. But hope alone won't receive from God. So here in verse 17, it's saying very simply this. It's saying that the thing that made the difference in Abraham's life, the thing that brought him from unbelief, where he laughed at the promise of God when he referred to the child being born in a year, uh, a year from the time that he appeared to him at age 99, to the place of faith where he received the most miraculous and impossible results that we can consider or that's written in the Bible. The thing that made that the difference is Abraham started acting like God. He started acting like God. Now, how in the world did he act like God? Well, there's two characteristics that are mentioned there. Number one, God quickens the dead. There's no way Abraham could act like God in that respect. We don't have the power to quicken dead things. One translation, modern translation, translates that as God makes dead things alive. Well, God can do that and we can't. That's not in man's power. That's outside our purview. But the last, the second characteristic is something that Abraham did that we should emulate and that we should follow as an example. God called things that be not as though they were. And Abraham started doing that too. Now you remember that as we said before that Abraham was given promises by God, but God gave those promises in the past tense. He said, I have made thee the father of nations. And as the proof of that, that uh, truth that God had spoken to him, he changed his name. He gave him a name, changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And that name Abraham means father of nations. Now Abraham began to call himself the father of nations. When he accepted the name change that God gave him, he's calling himself, he's identifying himself, he's confessing himself to be the father of nations before he ever had children. That's what this verse of scripture is trying to get across to us, folks. That the key to operating in the kind of faith that receives from God is when we begin to call things that be not as though they were. when we begin to call things that be not as though they were. Now, without question, no doubt about it, nothing else even comes in a close second. This is the most difficult thing to get across to believers. And it should be the simplest. should be the easiest. We'll prove that as we go along. But the thing that most people get hung up on, the thing that most people are attacked in, in their minds by the devil concerning, is this calling things that be not as though they were. 
Some people even say, yeah, well, God called Abraham the father of nations, but that was God. But we're not supposed to do that, they'll say. They'll say it's wrong for us to, to, to do anything other than call things the way they are. Well, folks, if it's wrong for us to call things that be not as though they were, then it'd be wrong. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. If it's wrong for God to call th- things that be not as though they were, then it'd be wrong for us to do it too. And the devil's children emulate him, don't they? Don't the devil's kids act like the devil? Don't the devil's kids talk like the devil? But then who in the world are God's kids supposed to talk like, if not God? And the Bible says specifically that God calls things that be not as though they were. If it's not wrong for God to do it, it can't be wrong for us to do it. If it was sinful for us to do it, it would be sinful for God to do it. But if it's appropriate for God to do it, then it's appropriate for us as his children to do the same thing. Now turn back with me to Mark chapter 11. This is the characteristic of Abraham's faith that got him started on the right road. There were others that are mentioned in Romans chapter 4, but that's not our subject tonight. This is what started Abraham on the road to receiving. He began to call things that be not as though they were. Now in Mark chapter 11, you know the story without me having to tell the whole thing. Jesus curses the fig tree and the next morning they come by and the fig tree is dried up from the roots. We'll start in verse 21. Peter calling to remember and said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said, Have faith in God. The Greek literally translates this. The Greek language literally says of this verse, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. Now, what would the faith of God be if not the God kind of faith? We sometimes summarize or paraphrase this verse as Jesus saying, have the God kind of faith. Well, wouldn't the faith of God be the God kind? I mean, we're not doing an injustice to the to the truth here are we have the faith of God Jesus said now he's going to explain how he did what he did and how that principle of the God kind of faith or the faith of God will work in any area and notice what he says verse 23 have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, folks, if we compare Romans chapter 4 and verse 17 with Mark eleven twenty-three, we can make some substitutions for the sake of understanding. The same kind of faith that Abraham operated in that brought him the child of promise had to have been the God kind of faith. The reason it had to be the God kind of faith is because he, was, he operated and imitated God By calling things that be not as though they were. Well if that's what God does. And that's the God kind of faith. Then when Jesus is talking about using the God kind of faith. He's got to be talking about the same thing. Now he uses a little bit different terminology. So let's substitute what we just found out over in Romans 4.17. In Mark chapter 11 verse 23. Jesus said have the God kind of faith. Or the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever calleth those things that be not as though they were. And doubts not in his heart. 
but believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, folks, I would submit to you that that's exactly how Abraham got results. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever calleth those things that be not as though they were, and doubts not in his heart, that means doesn't say anything to the contrary, but believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass, believes this confession of calling things that be not as though they were, in other words, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now let's see this in action. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. He's been told that Jairus' daughter is at the point of death. And I'm sure Jairus is trying to get him there before she dies. And so on the way, it says in verse 25, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians... And when it spent all that she had and it was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him. Turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Jesus knew that somebody had touched him in a different way. The disciples just knew that everybody that was, getting, that was close enough to him to reach out and touch him was touching. Jesus looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now notice verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Thy faith has made thee whole. This has got to be the same God kind of faith that Abraham operated in. Because they both got results, miraculous results. This has got to be the same God kind of faith that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 11 verse 23. And defined for us in Mark chapter 11 verse 23. So since they're the same thing, let's substitute the words that we found in, in Romans 4, 24, 17 for Mark chapter 5 and verse 34. Daughter, calling those things that be not as though they were has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Daughter, calling those things that be not as though they were has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now turn with me over to one chapter in Mark chapter 6. Jesus is operating in Mark chapter 5 as the healer on his way to Jairus' house. And even though there's a throng of people, a crowd of people, a multitude of people reaching out to touch him, only one person activated the power. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a couple of things. Number one, it means the power was resident upon Jesus. It was available to be contacted. But the surprising thing is, out of all the people that touched Jesus, only one person activated that power. Jesus identified that one person as activating the power through faith, which is defined in Romans 4.17. 
is calling those things that be not as though they were. And a lot of times, and I think most of the church world will focus on the power. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't say, boy, you sure are fortunate the power of God healed you. No, he credited her healing to the faith which is defined in Romans 4.17 is calling those things which be not as though they were. Now we know what she said. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Apparently that qualifies for calling things that be not as though they were. Because Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Here's one of the hardest things to get across to people. And that is this. Of the 19 individual cases of healing that are recorded in the four gospels or healing events, there are a couple of situations where not one person was healed, but two people were healed. So depending on your, your definition, whether or not that can be called an individual case of healing or not, that's up to you. But there are 19 individual cases or 19 healing events referred to in the four gospels. Seems like there's more than that because some of the gospels relate the same stories. But if you divide them out, you'll find out there's 19 separate healing events that took place in Jesus' ministry. Of those 19 individual cases of healing, 13 specifically identify the faith of the individual as being the the healing agent. There's another couple that imply faith, or you can see faith in action, but it's not specified. Now, what that means is this. It means that in the majority of cases of healing that occurred that we have record of, and there were lots more that we don't have record of, we don't know too much about those. Don't know anything about those other than there are a lot of other things that occurred. But of the 19 individual cases of healing that we have record of, the majority of people were healed on their own faith. Or, to use the Romans 4.17 definition, The majority of people were healed in Jesus' ministry by calling those things that be not as though they were. Now, if that's the case, and this was Jesus who had the Spirit of God without measure. See, some people will say, well, if you're going to heal like Jesus healed, you should just be able to go into the hospitals and empty them all out. Well, Jesus didn't. The Bible tells us in John chapter 5 about Jesus going to the pool of Bethesda. It says there were five porches full of people. We're waiting for the angel to come down and trouble the water. And the first one in got it, got their healing. Nobody else did. Jesus ministered to one man, healed one guy, and then walked away from everybody else that was sick. The one man that was healed in John chapter 5 at the pool of Bethesda was not healed on his own faith. He was healed by a gift of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, It was a healing miracle that God initiated on his own, not initiated by somebody calling those things that be not as though they were. Now, if Jesus is our example, then that means you can't just turn it on and off when you want to. Because don't you know Jesus would have made a big splash by healing everybody at the pool of Bethesda? He could have made a big name for himself if that's what God was after him to do. But apparently that's not the way God works. Mark chapter 6 is another example where it says in his own hometown of Nazareth, notice verse 5, and he could there do no mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. And he could there do no mighty work. 
Now, why couldn't he do anything? Why couldn't he have any healing miracles? Why weren't there any blind eyes open? Why weren't there any deaf people that were healed? Why weren't there any crippled people that were healed in, in Nazareth? Notice it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their lack of faith. He marveled because of their refusal to believe. So unbelief hindered Jesus from operating the power of God. Here's what this means, folks. And here's the thing that's so tough to get across to people. If the majority of people that were healed in Jesus' ministry were healed on their own faith or by calling things that be not as though they were, and if Jesus was hindered from completing the plan and the purpose of God, doing the will of God in places like Nazareth, his own hometown, he says in Luke chapter 4, Luke's account, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He was there to heal the sick, among other things. So God wanted him to heal the sick in Nazareth. It was the will of God for the sick in Nazareth to be healed. But nobody was healed. Except for a few folks with minor ailments. There were no healing miracles that were done. Now why is that? Well Jesus, or the Bible says... Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. What does that mean? Here's the point I'm trying to get to. Physical healing comes through the spirit of man. Physical healing does not come because of an outpouring of God's power. Physical healing comes because man's spirit reaches out to take hold of God's power. The problem is never... The absence of God's power. God's everywhere. If God's everywhere and God's the healer, he's a healing father, then that means healing power is everywhere. It's never the result or the lack of healing power that keeps somebody from being healed. Most often, it's the ignorance of the individual about what it takes to receive or to access God's power. Most people are looking for the power of God to be poured out in some way. They're looking for the power of God to come. And they don't realize that it's faith, which is defined in Romans 4.17, is calling those things that be not as though they are, that takes hold of God's power and activates it. Physical healing always comes through the spirit of man. Physical healing is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. Faith is of the heart or the spirit. Physical healing is through the spirit of man. Brother Hagin used to tell a couple of stories that would astonish me when I heard them. I never failed to be astonished or to be astounded at these two examples that he gave, two incidents that occurred in his ministry. But I understand a lot more about them now than I used to when I would get goosebumps hearing about the stories. Now I have a little greater understanding. The first one happened in one of the churches that he pastored. He spent 12 years pastoring three different churches. And there was a lady in the church that had contracted something like arthritis. I don't know if they had diagnosed it as such, but it was something like arthritis. And the result was 
her limbs and, and uh, body just kept getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. But the doctors saw what was happening, but they didn't know what the cause was, didn't know how to treat it, didn't know what to do for her or to try it and failed. And so the doctors finally told her, your body is going to lock up. So you now while you have a little bit of movement, you need to decide whether or not you want to be stiff as a board or if you want to, your body, want your body to lock up in a seated position. He said, if you want to be stiff as a board and just laid out flat, just stay in bed. He said, but if you don't, sit in a chair and your body will freeze up in that position. Well, she chose the chair, seated position. And sure enough, over a period of time, I think this had occurred before Brother Hagin started pastoring that particular church. But by the time he got there, she was just as stiff as a board. Now, her husband would bring her. They were faithful to come to church regularly. Her husband would bring her in a wheelchair. And, uh, and Brother Hagin said it was, a, it was an astounding thing. He said because she'd get the flu and you'd pray for her and the flu would disappear, she'd receive that, receive her healing for that just immediately without any difficulty whatsoever. But some way or another, they couldn't, couldn't take hold of her healing for this stiff body condition, whatever they called it. And there were a couple of people in the church, a couple of ladies in the church, that they just took it on as a project to pray for her healing. And over a period of months, they prayed hours and hours for this lady's healing. Well, one day, Brother Hagin said the Lord spoke to him, gave him a revelation about what to do. Wouldn't it be nice if you could give those things to yourself? I'm sure if he could, he would have done it sooner than he did, but he can't. He couldn't any more than we can. But the Lord revealed what to do. And so he got these ladies together. They got this prayer group together. And they went over to this lady's house, which they oftentimes did, sometimes a couple of times a week. And Brother Hagin said the Lord had spoken to him and said, Now don't pray. Don't ask for anything. He said, And get everybody to keep their eyes open and watch. So he did. They got into the room of the house where they were located and he said uh, that he put the woman on the other side of the room probably 15 feet away and he told all the women to watch don't close your eyes don't pray just watch and so they he spent a few minutes praying in other tongues and then he pointed to her and said in the name of Jesus rise and he said God is his witness and the women that were there his wife was one of the ones that were there she lifted straight up out of that chair about 18 inches above the wheelchair or whatever chair she's sitting in. She may not have been in a wheelchair in her own home. But she just rose out of that chair about 15 inches. And then he said she came forward about 18 inches so that now the chair is not under her anymore. And he said when that happened, she started leaning back and started going, oh, reaching back for the chair. And when she reached back far enough to grab the back of the chair, she fell her flop right in the middle of the chair. Brother Hagin said, without thinking, I just blurted out. And he said, woman, you don't have an ounce of faith, do you? Now think about what that meant. She had faith to receive healing from colds and flu and different things like that, smaller things like that. But what he meant was she didn't have an ounce of faith to believe for her healing from whatever this condition was that had locked up her body. And she answered and said, no, Brother Hagin, I'll go to my grave in that chair. And she did. Now, what made the difference for her? 
She refused to call things that be not as though they were. Here's an example where the power of God was on display. Brother Hagin told me personally, he said, I think the Lord did that for me because it had become an issue in the church. Why can't we get sister so-and-so healed? Here I am preaching the healing belongs to everybody and nobody can get any results with sister so-and-so. He said, I believe the Lord did that for me, knowing full well what she would do, how it would turn out, so that everybody in the congregation would know when the word got around, and it did, so that everybody in the congregation would know that God wants to heal everybody. And in her case, he displayed his power in a great and mighty way. But the power of God itself wasn't enough. God won't force anything on anybody. And she refused to receive it. The second story that he told was after he was on the field. He was acquainted with a certain man that was a missionary. And he contracted some kind of disease on the mission field. He was part of the same denominational group that Brother Hagen was. And so it was widely known that he had had to come back off the mission field because of this condition. And so everybody was praying for this guy. Everybody had prayed for them in conventions. Somebody would invariably say, remember brother so-and-so. They'd turn in a prayer request and everybody in the congregation or everybody in the convention would pray and ask God for his healing power and so forth. Brother Hagin said he talked to him numerous times about receiving his healing. And he said one time, he and the pastor that he was preaching for Apparently the church was close enough to where they could get over to his house and visit this missionary who had had to come back off the field. So they went into the bedroom where this missionary was laid out on on the bed. And at this point he had become almost completely bedfast. He had a little bit of movement of his arms, but he couldn't get out of bed by himself or anything like that. And he said that as they were praying, all of a sudden Jesus appears at the foot of the bed. Now, he's standing at the foot of the bed, and Jesus appears right next to him. And when Jesus appeared, Brother Hagin said to the man, didn't tell him that he saw Jesus, didn't tell him that he was present in that respect, but he said, Brother, the Lord is here to heal you. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus appeared in either physical form or even in a vision. I mean, we could say that tonight here among the congregation Jesus is here to heal you but that doesn't mean he's physically present so brother Hagin didn't mention anything to him about having seen Jesus and he said when he said that to the to the missionary the Lord is here to heal you he said the missionary did something that he couldn't do he jumped up out of bed came around the side of the bed right next to where Jesus was Jesus turned to him and had his arms outstretched like this The man started to reach out and take hold of where Jesus was and fell back and said, I can't, I can't, I can't. Jesus looked at Brother Hagin and said, see, I'm here to heal him. I've appeared to bring healing power to him and he won't let me. Brother Hagin asked the missionary, he said, you can't what? What do you mean you can't? He said, I just can't take my healing. He said, sure you can Sure you can. It's easy to. Just reach out and take hold of it. He put his hands in his, his face in his hands and sobbed and said, I just can't do it. Jesus disappeared. 
cast the guy later. They got him in bed. At that point, he'd kind of fallen off into the floor. They got him back over in bed, and he said, uh, the missionary said, Jesus was here in the room, wasn't he? Brother Hagin said, yeah, he was. He said he was standing at the foot of the bed right next to where you were, wasn't he? He said, yeah. He said, did you see him? He said, no, I didn't see him, but I knew he was there. He said, why didn't you take hold of your healing? He said, I just didn't, I just don't feel like I can do it. Now, here's the power of God on display. Here's Jesus manifesting his presence. And the power of God wasn't enough to get this man healed. How many times would we think that somebody would say, well, if Jesus would just appear, then I'd be healed. Would you? You didn't exhibit or demonstrate the faith of God. The, faith, the kind of faith that calls things that be not as though they were, then it wouldn't matter if Jesus appeared in the flesh. Now those two examples, in my thinking, always go along with Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work. Savor except that he laid his hands on a few sick folks, a few folks with minor ailments, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. Folks, I want you to understand something. If the woman with the issue of woman with the issue of blood, if her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. It's not about the measure of God's power. It's about the potential of faith. And everybody has the same potential to receive by faith. We all receive the same measure of faith to begin with. We all have the opportunity to develop our faith by the hearing of the word. And acting on what we hear. If her faith can make her whole. Then her, your faith can make you whole. No matter what you've got. Or how long you've got it. Or how impossible the doctor says it is to be healed of it. Because physical healing is always through the spirit. Turn with me finally to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's writing to the church. He says something astounding. It's important for us to recognize. It's important for us to understand. Notice in verse 13, Paul says, we having the same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith as who? Remember, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So that means it would be the same faith as Jesus himself. The same spirit of faith means the same faith of God. The same kind of faith that God has. That Jesus describes in Mark chapter 11. He says, we having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now again, let's define or substitute the definition in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, for the word faith in Second Thessalonians or Second Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of calling those things that be not as though they were. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Speak what? We call things that be not as though they are. 
we call things that be not as though they were. We speak of things in the past tense. We speak of things as already accomplished. That's the kind of faith that receives. Now, I'll remind you of one other scripture. I won't ask you to turn over there, but one other scripture that I hope you're familiar with. And that's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For they that come unto him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want you to notice the first part of that verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's substitute the Romans 4, 17 definition. Without calling those things that be not as though they were, it's impossible to please God. See, folks, the principle of faith that calls things that be not as though they were according to what Jesus has already done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection should be the simplest, most foundational, and most understood principle in the body of Christ. Yet it's the one that the devil attacks the most. It's the one that he twists people's minds and twists their thinking all up, makes them think that they're lying if they call things that be not as though they were, Makes people, Christians, believers, think that the only way that they would be pleasing unto God is to call things the way that they are and the way that they see them. But without calling things that be not as though they were, it's impossible to please God. You want to be pleasing to God? Start doing what Abraham did and start being like him. Start being like God, I mean, who calls things that be not as though they were. It's the only way there is to be pleasing to God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have of understanding your truth, the truth of your word. You've given unto each and every one of us the measure of faith. That measure of faith, that measure of calling things that be not as though they were, is sufficient to activate the power of God to bring healing to each and every one of our bodies. Not only that, but your word says that it's pleasing to you when we call things that be not as though they were. Because then we're acting like our Heavenly Father. Jesus said the same thing. Whosoever shall call things that be not as though they were and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he says. Open our eyes, Lord, to see from our hearts, not just with our physical being, but see and understand from our hearts. Reveal it to us, Holy Spirit, so that we can take hold of everything that Jesus has provided for us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of walking by faith, walking by calling those things that be not as though they were. Therefore, we declare that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Not going to be, we were. When Jesus took stripes upon his back, he took our healing, took our sickness and disease to provide healing for us. He accomplished our healing for us then. Therefore, the prayer of faith, our prayer of faith, our prayer of calling things that be not as though they were, 
ends in the glad confession, it's mine, I have it now. I'm not going to have it someday, I have it now by faith. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that we have the same spirit of faith as you have. The same spirit of calling things that be not as though they were. That you operated in when you created the worlds. Thank you, Father, that that kind of faith always works. That kind of faith always receives. We always receive when we call things that be not as though they were. And hold fast the profession of our faith. We love you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Everybody that agrees with that, say amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. You're dismissed.